Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andy's Season 7, Episode 12. My name's Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerill. And the thing that we're going to talk about this evening is... Is a movie. A movie, one of the those things. One of those things uh, that you can't go and see at uh, cinemas. Cause, uh, no one did anyway. We're still in lockdown. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, although things are things are loosening not for the better has to be said <laughs> I read a, a news story this week from the BBC they said that the police have decided that drunk people can't social distance <laughs> <laughs> so that's the kind of insightful research I expect isn't that incredible Yeah. I mean they could have come to me and I could have told them that for 10 quid Andy can drunk yes. people social distance nope that would be 10 quid please for that advice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was um, apparently a bit of a bloodbath over the weekend with um, people going to the pub and going to bars and getting thoroughly lathered and presumably falling all over each other and giving each other coronavirus. Yeah. There you go. Well, we'll see how the infection rates go. Our infection rate is going down. Down. But we're worried down. about... I'm worried about winter. I'm worried about whether it will go up because of the yeah, restrictions. there is that. So um, we're still under lockdown. So it's a movie tonight, a movie mm-hmm. called The Invisible Man. The Invisible Man. Yes. And I'm not going to attempt to summarise it based on the title because there's so many films called The Invisible Man. I've probably seen there are. several of them. <laughs> there are, yeah. Um, um, so I, won't, I, I, can't, I can't think up a made-up movie entitled The Invisible Man or I can only think of Hollow Man and other films oh. which are really creepy Hollow Man because yeah. it turns out the idea of an invisible man is, is actually creepy terrifyingly creepy concept so I imagine we'll come to that will we come to that I imagine, I imagine we will yes but oh, first okay. of all some any other business mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as is now a sad tradition on this podcast births deaths sure. actually Bi-week, mainly deaths <laughs> announcement podcast um actor ian holm uh died so this was actually a little while ago now uh but i think it happened between the last pod and this one Mm -hmm. so ian holm um i think one of the one of the greatest british screen actors of the last i don't know 50 years uh has been in some incredible genre movies most notably alien in oh, which he played, he, he played the android Ash. Oh. oh, sorry, spoiler, he's an android. Although if you listen to our um, <laughs> to our movie horror movie rundown, then I do give that away in yeah. there. There's some um, there's spoilers in this podcast. Oh yeah, that was the first of many. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in which he gives just an incredible, inscrutable performance as yeah. Ash, the um, science officer, who turns out to be who turns out doesn't have everybody else's best interests at heart. Let's, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but plays okay, it is this in Aliens, is this? No, no, Alien. Alien. Isn't, so the, the android in Aliens is... Pardon? Doesn't he, oh, is it in Aliens? He turns out to be a goodie. Yeah, so Bishop in Aliens, played by Lance yeah, Henriksen, turns out to be a good guy. Yeah, right. right. And that, the way that Cameron... Um, wrote Arnie to be a good guy in T2, he also flips that in Aliens by having the android be a good guy. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, yeah. it's um, 
I guess they had to establish that androids were bad before it could be a surprise that the android was good. Yes, and, yes, and exactly. So. Um, so also, Ian Holm also, um, I think very memorably in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies, plays Bilbo Baggins to um, amazing effect. Um, whatever you think of those movies, he is terrific in them. Which ones? The... Um the, the, the first, Lord of the Rings the ones, yeah. not the not the Hobbit films, which yeah. are, I think, pretty awful. Are they bad? Okay. Yeah, they're not good. I, um, I think I've spared myself from watching them. I found yeah. the others really boring, but also I'm just looking to see um, other other things that he's done. So I think yeah, his most famous stuff is probably Ash in Alien. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Oh, see, yeah. as is now traditional, hay fever. Mm-hmm. Um, also played Father Vito Cornelius in The Fifth Element. Right, that's a terrible film. Yeah, it's rubbish. Yeah, but he's good in it, I think. Uh, Chef Skinner in Ratatouille, which is a Pixar Disney Pixar movie. Um, incredibly busy actor, though. So th- those are just a few of the things that he's done. I'm just going through. Uh, oh, he was in Brazil. With, oh, right. Um, that's, that's who. Yeah, Terry Gilliam's Brazil. He's fantastic in that. He was in The Madness of King George. Uh, just looking through A Life Less Ordinary. Oh, that's good. Um, wow. I mean, yeah, he's been a busy guy. <clears throat> Very bu- He's in From Hell, which I quite enjoyed, actually. From I'm Hell. I'm sure I've seen that. But I yeah, it's good. It. Yeah. But of late, he's been less busy. So I think the last thing he did was in 2014, which was he was in The Hobbit. Two Hobbit movies as an older Bilbo Baggins. Um, yeah, great actor. Uh, the other thing is that uh, I think probably in, in common with <clears throat> most of the world who have Disney+, Plus, we watched Hamilton on uh, Saturday night. Okay, now had you seen it before? No. No, okay. so this was a this was a um, <clears throat> this was a film of a performance. Although I've since read that it's a film of several performances that have been edited mm-hmm. together, okay. which is kind of normal. So they get the best bits of mm-hmm. of each one. Um, I've heard a great deal about this f- from various um, media sources. So this, this was a performance from 2016. So it's you know four years old. Right. <clears throat> um, it's incredible. Everything I've everything I've heard is true about this. It is incredible. Okay. What's it about? It's about a um, one of the founding fathers, a revolutionary named Alexander Hamilton, who's played by Lin Manuel Miranda, who is a now quite a famous um, famous guy. So he wrote the songs for a movie called Moana, which is a Disney mm-hmm. film. He was in Mary Poppins Returns. He's attached to. Uh, a remake of Disney's The Little Mermaid, and he was also in his Dark Materials for the BBC. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wrote and directed and stars in Hamilton mm-hmm. as as uh, in this particular production. He stars as Alexander Hamilton, and he was one of the founding fathers. He was a revolutionary, a businessman, and. He was one of the driving forces behind the writing of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. But these days, he's largely forgotten. Um, 
I think mainly because he he basically dropped out of politics and that kind of thing and just ran his business. Okay. Kept himself to himself, but it is a fascinating story about you know the founding of a country. Okay. And it's all done in song. So there's only a couple of bits of spoken dialogue. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the songs are R&B tinged or hip hop style songs. Right. And it really works. The choreography is amazing. All the performances are just incredible. I mean, obviously, I've heard so much about it. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, it can't possibly be that good. But from like the first, the very few, the very first few words that are sung, you think, okay, no, this is going to be that good. It's, okay. uh, it's quite something. I so am, anyway, you know, I'm not I really, ta- I'm not really being course. controversial. I'm not really being controversial by saying it's quite something, but it is quite something. I can't bear musicals, although I do make an exception for the Buffy musical episode. Okay, so I don't like musicals either, although I do, I do enjoy the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Or at least the, I've seen that a couple of stage projections of that, and I've watched the movie quite a few times. I do enjoy I that. I've seen that. Yeah, it's I've a lot seen of bits fun. Of it, but obviously, it, I should have seen it. Yeah, it's good fun. I mean, it's good. It's a good genre movie and uh, and a musical at the same time. Mm-hmm. But Hamilton is a full-on musical. There's only a couple of words of spoken dialogue, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it just carries you along. It's such a compelling story. The second half is, I think, one of the most emotionally wrenching one hour one hour of theatre I've ever seen. Wow! In that, you like it then? In that, yeah, I did. I mean, the first half is the build-up and you know, sort of building up the story. The second half is his life just unravels. Mm. I'll just say that, really. Uh, and it's quite heartbreaking stuff, really. Because it doesn't, he doesn't, it doesn't paint him as a good guy. It just paints him as a flawed human being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, all of, all of the key players in the Constitution, apart from George Washington, are portrayed as quite flawed human beings with, you know, character right. flaws and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's very good. Cool. There you go. That's an uncontroversial viewpoint <laughs> <laughs> for a change. Cool. Should we crack on? Oh, have we got any, um, yeah, any other business? Bit of feedback. Or, bit yeah. of feedback. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, a couple of podcasts to recommend because um, we had a bit of a Twitter love-in. With some other podcasts. I do love a Twitter loving until it all goes <laughs> sour and then you unfollow each other. <laughs> so, listener, um, uh, I can definitely recommend to you the Disc Dump podcast, which is okay. on Twitter. They are at the Disc Dump, spelt with a C, like a disc. So okay. what they do is they um, they take a, a DVD or I think other media and then... Uh, they decide, are we going to throw it away or keep it forever? Hmm. Um, so, uh, uh, definitely well worth listening. It was great fun. Also, a couple of other possible podcast recommendations for you, although I haven't got around to listening to them yet. Uh, another one is called Bravo for the B-Side, which on Twitter is at Bravo underscore side. Interesting handle. Yeah. Um, Bravo for the B side podcast. So they talk about uh, B movies, and oh, okay, uh, I do like a B movie. 
Yeah. They love it. And also, another one for you to check out, which again, I haven't listened to yet, but I will do. Uh, Watch If You Dare. Ah, I Dare. Which which is about horror. It's like someone explaining, someone who's terrified, um, having horror films explained to them by someone who presumably is not terrified. That's at Watch If You Dare on uh, Twitter. Okay, yeah. Uh, you can find those if you go to the Good Robot Andy's Twitter, which is at Good Robot Andy's, I think. Is that right? It is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then if you look at uh, who who we follow, they're in our list of people we follow, so you can find them from there. Nice. Very, very uh, nice. Well worth a go. Probably more worth listening to than this, to be honest. <laughs> Definitely not. <coughs> Definitely not. Um, that's great. I thought more of something podcasts. to say there, but People now always I've need more podcasts. Um, I don't need any more podcasts, I'm afraid. Um, no. I basically I start... so backed up, I've only got 40 <laughs> in my playlist to listen to. I was wondering what colourful metaphor you were going to use. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. Um, yeah, I'm not backed no. up uh, until uh, at some point, I hope, I will be travelling to work again. And when that happens, I'll be looking for podcasts. At the moment, With I'm utterly overwhelmed. On. Too much stuff. Utterly overwhelmed by wonderful things, which are often emotionally uh, rending. You know, I listen to some amazing podcasts. Um, so I, I can't bring myself to remove any of them because I might grow so much as a person if I manage to listen to them. But yeah, they're just backing <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely backing up. <clears throat> Should we crack on? Yeah, the so that's the Disc Man. Dump podcast, Bravo yep. for the B-Side podcast, and Watch If You Dare podcast. Give them a listen. Let us know what you think, listener. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say about um, B-movies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I once went to a screening of David Cronenberg's, uh, oh, what was it, Videodrome, mm-hmm. back in the day. So Videodrome had been out for a few years, but there was a late night screening at my, my uh, uh, was then my local cinema, which was the... Um, the a- what was the ABC cinema in Staines, right? Which is now an apartment complex with some restaurants underneath. Right, it's right, right next right, to the right. river. Right, the river. Um, so I went to this with some friends. We were chemically enhanced when we went. I won't say what kind of chemicals we were enhanced with. Uh, and we discovered that there was a full-length movie before Videodrome. Whoa! Which is just doesn't happen. I mean, it didn't really happen then. It was very unusual <laughs> for this to happen. <clears throat> but it uh, it was it was called Big Meat Eaters, <laughs> and it was about an alien invasion in a town in America, uh-huh. uh, and uh, it was about the local butchers being the epicenter of it. It was uh, utterly bizarre. Quite a poor movie, actually, to be honest. <laughs> Quite badly made. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I imagine that's what Bravo for the B side. Yeah. So I think like uh, I think love, if um they love a big if. Movie. If those folks are listening to uh, to this, uh, if you haven't seen that, I can't recommend it, but it probably is worth watching for fun <laughs> value. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So bearing in mind, I was chemically enhanced. So Right. So if it could have go. been quite coherent and well made. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. Anyway, uh, The Invisible Man. Yeah, 15 minutes in, probably time to talk about what Yeah, it's probably about. time to start, isn't it? So, this is a 2020 brand new. Wow, that is good for us. 
It is, yeah. Science fiction horror film that ticks two of our boxes. <laughs> Written and directed by Lee Wanell, who's a returning director to this pod. So we oh, talked really? about, um, yeah, I talked about his film Upgrade. I oh, yeah. It was either yeah. last year or the year before, uh, which I really enjoyed. Which was, um, you know, low budget sort of cyberpunk. Um, cyberpunk noir about a guy seeking revenge on some people who'd done him wrong and then so discovering just, he was a pawn in a larger game kind of thing uh-huh. I was just trying to think what other boxes do we have to tick so uh, I think the other science one is fiction, it has horror. to have Scarlett Johansson in it oh yeah science fiction horror with Scarlett Johansson yeah Johansson sorry yeah yeah Johansson well she, that's what she calls herself who are we well, to argue then that's what I call her as best yeah, as exactly. I can pronounce it yes um, so the Invisible Man follows a woman who believes she is being stalked by her abusive and wealthy boyfriend, even after his apparent suicide. Okay, so um, it's definitely straight in there with the creepiness of the Invisible Man. Definitely. Okay, um, cool. She ultimately deduces that he has acquired the ability to become invisible. Oh, so he's not dead? Maybe. And the okay, film no, stars no. film stars Elizabeth Moss from um, <clears throat> from TV's Mad Men. Oh wow, yeah, she's amazing. She's great in this as well. Uh Aldis Hodge. She's from she's from TV's <coughs> The Handmaid's Tale. That's what she's yeah, from. Oh, of course, yes, of late, yes, she's from The Handmaid's yeah. Tale, yeah. Mad Men, Schmadmen. Mad Men? No, Mad Men's great. It is great. Yeah, you love it. I and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought I quite liked it, but The Handmaid's Tale, wow. Yeah, it's good. Um also stars Aldis Hodge, Storm Reed, Harriet Dyer, Michael Dorman and Oliver Jackson Cohen. It was an international co-production of the United States and Australia. As Lee Wanell is from Australia, so all, it was shot in Australia. Um, it's, uh, so the development of the film started in 2006, but was stalled. It was then revived as part of Universal's shared cinematic universe in 2016. So that's a it long then, gap. Yeah, it was then shelved again when The Mummy was released in 2017. What's it got critical... to do with The Mummy? Well, because Universal relaunched all their monster franchises, so they, they own the rights to The Mummy, they own the rights to The Invisible Man, they own the rights to Dracula and Frankenstein. Um, so all right. of those characters, they own the rights to make movies out of all of those. But still, what has this film got to do with those Things. Well, well, I'll come on to that. So, okay, okay. Um, so after the Mummy was released in 2017 to critical and financial failure, it really is a terrible movie. Is that is it Deve- a remake of? Uh, no, it's a new. It's a new film, so it's not really a remake. Because I, I think I watched a film called The Mummy probably 20 years ago or something, right? Yeah, there's was... one with Brendan Fraser, which is actually pretty good. Yeah, it's I quite fun. It being okay, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good. And there there've been um, ones before that, right? Oh yeah, loads. I mean, the mummy's been done loads of times. There's definitely a one. There's a Hammer horror one with Christopher Lee, which is right. quite fun. Anyway, so when the mummy was a was a complete failure, mm-hmm. all work was halted on, you know, sort of relaunching the the horror characters. Mm-hmm. But then in 20, 2019, they changed their minds and and decided to instead of having sort of big budget, huge cast things, they'd go for something a bit more intimate and a, and obviously a bit cheaper that they could take a risk with. 
and they involved Jason Blum of Blumhouse, who was the producer of uh, Get Out, among Get Out. many, many other things. Quite a visionary producer, Jason Blum, I think, um, mm. in that he kind of finds really talented people who wouldn't necessarily be doing stuff like that and then, uh, you know, just gets them to make a movie, gives them the money to go and make a film. So so this one is um, written and directed by Lee Wanell, who's uh, been a long-time collaborator with Jason Blum. Uh, it was shot in Australia, had a budget of $7 million, which is, you know, not much. Piddling. And uh, and took 129 worldwide, 129 million worldwide. So it was released at, uh, just before coronavirus really started to bite, to hit, to right. you know, have an effect. Uh, and cinemas were closed. So four weeks after it was released theatrically, it was um, available for digital rental. So... Right, uh, which is you know kind of unprecedented, but there's a lot of stuff that's happened like that. So films have gone straight to digital rental because mm-hmm. uh, the cinemas are not open. So, um, so it is a kind of a superhero fantasy type um, film. Not, sounds, yeah, I suppose so. So it's a bit more serious, and yeah, it's definitely it definitely takes itself very seriously. Yeah, it's not a hokey jokey knockabout. Oh, someone's invisible. So, if you look at Paul Verhoeven's Verhoeven's um, Hollow Man, which I think it has some really great ideas, but kind of kind of squanders them. It's quite such badly. a creepy idea, and if you are not yeah, properly yeah. dealing with that, what are you doing? Yeah, he didn't deal with it well, though. I don't think. I didn't think so. I, no. I, I remember being just. Finding it distasteful, basically. Yeah, it is distasteful. Yeah, it's. Um, I think that when you look at what he did with RoboCop, which on paper should be just terrible hokey material, mm. I think what he did with that was quite special. Um, the whole kind of anti-corporate message and uh, the whole question of what what it is to be human—that's mm. at the heart of RoboCop. But it also just happens to be a cracking good, you know, action thriller. Into the bargain. You have 20 seconds to comply. (laughs) I mean, that's an incredible scene, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's great. Um, So the the plot is that Elizabeth Moss's character is trapped in a violent, controlling relationship with her wealthy optics engineer, Clue, and businessman, (laughs) Adrian Griffin. Um... Um, but one night, she drugs him with diazepam and escapes their home with help from her sister, Emily. Mm-hmm. So we don't really know too much about her relationship with him, but we do know that the film begins with her being absolutely terrified and mm-hmm. making sure that he is actually drugged asleep before she makes her escape. Mm-hmm. But he then wakes up and chases her out of the house and is incredibly violent towards her but she escapes um she then finds out uh, so she goes to live with um her childhood friend who is also a police detective and their and his teenage daughter uh she then finds out that adrian her ex her ex-boyfriend has apparently committed suicide mm-hmm. and and has left her five million 
dollars in his will, which is being handled by his lawyer brother Tom, who is also a bit of a weasel, it has to be said. Okay. Um, but Cecilia, who is Elizabeth Mothy's character, she suspects another presence in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but she can't see anything. She can't hear anything. Um, however, she goes to a job interview. She, you know, she's trying to find a job. She's, um, uh, I think she's an architect or a draftsperson. Uh, she goes along to an interview. Uh, she opens up her portfolio and it's empty. And th- she then has a panic attack and faints in this office. Mm-hmm. So basically her life is very slowly unravelling. Right, right, right. Uh, she gets taken to hospital. They do a blood test and they say, you've got very high levels of diazepam in your system. And she doesn't remember taking this. You know, she hasn't been taking it. Right. She goes back to the house and she finds the bottle that she drugged her boyfriend has made its way to the house somehow. Mm-hmm. So uh, what she, what we're looking at here is gaslighting on a massive scale. Yeah. Um, uh, and of course, you know, the phrase gaslighting or being gaslit is based on a play in which a man okay. drives his wife insane by making her think that reality is not actually reality. Um, it's a, it's a really good play, and I think there was a movie made of it with James Mason, who's just like the perfect kind of actor to play that kind of role. Do you remember what it's called? It's called Gaslight. Well, it's called Gaslight. Yeah. Gaslighting or yeah. Gaslight. Yeah, that's right. Um, Which one? So, gaslighting or Gaslight? Uh, so the movie is called Gaslight. Okay, okay. But these days we refer to gaslighting or being gaslit. That's yeah. what it refers to, is that right. play. Yeah, okay. Um so she um so sydney who's the who's the kid that lives in the house she she is hit by an unseen force uh then cecilia hears adrian's old phone which we, what she thinks is a phone going off in the loft so she goes up there to find this it. This must be pretty scary. Is this a horror it's film? It's pretty... Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a horror film where you you don't see the protagonist. Right. Uh, until you do, but we'll, we'll come on to that. So okay. she, um, she goes up into the loft, uh, and then on the phone appears the word surprise <laughs> in a text message. And she, she goes back towards the loft hatch. And she looks down, and then she grabs some paint that's near the loft hatch and just throws it at the hatch. Right. And we see, just for a fleeting moment, someone's head has been revealed by the paint, and then this person falls down and runs away. Um, So she then goes to the the house of her former boyfriend, the, uh, the optics engineer, Clue. And she's looking for something. And what she finds is a, a setup that involves a suit. Mm-hmm. And this suit is covered in refracting lenses and yeah. um, cameras uh, designed to kind of refract light around it and make fool you into thinking there's nothing there. Uh, yeah. And that's when she puts two and two together and realizes that, it realizes that she is actually being gaslit, possibly by her ex-boyfriend. 
Um, so she um, she she arranges to meet her sister at a restaurant in an open place where she thinks nothing's mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. And in what I think is one of the most standout moments of of any film for for quite a while. She's talking to her sister and she's about to tell her about the suit and about what she thinks is going on. Right. She looks up and she sees a knife hovering in the air next to her sister. Mm-hmm. And the knife then proceeds to cut her sister's throat in front of her. Uh, and then the knife makes its way to her hand. So she's wow. then left in this restaurant with with this knife in her hand and her sister bleeding out on the table in front of her, and people that sounds just hokey. But I'm guessing it's, it's not. It's not hokey. I mean, it's just like it's it's a draw your breath kind of moment. Mm. It's like what's she going to do now? She's basically looks like she's just murdered her own sister. Yeah. Um, so everybody just turns around to look at her, and you know this this silence descends over the restaurant, and then people start screaming and you know backing away. She gets arrested. She gets sectioned mm-hmm. because she's not making any sense. You know, she's saying he's invisible. And, you know, that can't possibly be true. Um, and her her uh, her boyfriend's brother, who is the lawyer, comes to see her and says, "Look, um, the problem with this is is that uh, there's a clause in the will that says that if you get sectioned or if you have criminal charges against you." You don't get the money anymore, mm-hmm. and I know that you've arranged to give um, this this girl Sydney some money to go to college, but I'm afraid that's not going to happen now. Okay. And he says, "Why didn't he but, change his will before he did all this?" Uh, well, ha- sorry, say that again. Why didn't he change his will before he did all this if he didn't oh, want to have the money? Uh, I don't know. So, but, but what he says is, uh, "We'll make it all go away if you come back." Um, and live with us, you know. He says us, uh-huh. implying that that her ex boyfriend is still alive. Yeah. Um. So we then, um. Uh. Now I'm trying to think what happens after that. So yeah, she gets. So um, presumably she goes back, murders him, and then lives happily ever after. Uh. <laughs> That's clearly so what, the best course of action at this point. So what happens is, um, she uh, she pretends to commit suicide in the hospital. Okay. But the but the but the but the um. This is like Romeo this, and Juliet. This invisible figure tries to stop her. Right. Um, she stabs him repeatedly in the suit, which causes it to malfunction. So it causes yeah. it to glitch. Yeah. So it's not working properly anymore. So he kind of phases in and out of invisibility, which is actually a really cool effect. Uh-huh. Security people arrive. They get beaten up quite badly by the invisible man. Uh-huh. Um, but she escapes back to home where there's a, a final confrontation uh-huh. with uh, what turns out to be uh, the lawyer brother, not her boyfriend. Okay. Uh, but he's been shot dead. Um, the police arrive, uh, and the next the next thing we see is a security like SWAT team entering her ex boyfriend's um, house and finding him behind a false wall, tied up, like he's been held hostage. 
Oh, man. Uh, which may or may not be true. Uh-huh. Uh, given the fact that he's managed to gaslight her this badly so far, it's probably not true. But we're never actually told if it is or not. Okay. And you think you're supposed to be left with amb- ambiguity? There's a lot of ambiguity in this movie, yeah. Um, right. So she arranges to go and meet him. She has she has dinner with him, and she says to him, "So it's it's a setup." So her her uh, friend, who is a police detective, is listening. She's wearing a wire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's trying to get a confession out of him, basically. Right, right. And she says to him, "Look, um, you can tell me. There's nobody else listening. All the cameras are off. Did you do it?" Mm-hmm. And he doesn't answer her, but the look on his face is like. Yeah, I did do it, but there's nothing you can do about it. Kind mm-hmm. of, you know, there's some some nice physical acting going on there. So she then says, "Okay, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. I'll be back in a moment." And she leaves the room, and then a knife gets picked up, and um, he is killed. <laughs> she then comes back. Mm-hmm picks up the phone and um you know panics and says oh my god this has happened this has happened to him hurry hurry quickly puts the phone down and her demeanor changes completely mm-hmm. um so she takes the suit and the last shot we see of her is uh, is her leaving the complex leaving the house and she kind of looks straight into the camera and a variety of emotions go over her face you know fear she can uh, do that because she can do that because she's an actor um you know sort of fear and then that gives way to triumph and then possibly now what am i going to do with this suit kind of look <laughs> um and then it goes then it fades to black so uh she's not just an actor she's a an actor she's elizabeth Moss. exactly yeah yeah um fantastic movie just right. amazing yeah when will Elizabeth Moss get a role where she's like fine and nothing really, really bad's happening to her? Well, when that happens, um, I'll be sad. I think. Yeah, I mean, she suffers well. Yeah, she does. Yeah. So what? Let's talk about the the look and feel and the aesthetic of mm-hmm. it. So, in the scenes where she is feeling uneasy, that she thinks there's a present presence around her. The camera pans away from her to look at something else in the room. Mm-hmm. And our eye is drawn to something to make you feel uneasy. And the framing mm-hmm. is quite similar to a movie called Hereditary that uh, we have spoken about on this oh, pod. Yeah, you said we, it was we've good. We've never talked about it. Yeah. yeah, it is good. It is flawed, but it is good. Mm-hmm. It is fun, and but it is definitely flawed. But in that movie... The camera, uh, the framing of the camera is designed at every turn to unsettle you and make you feel uneasy. Right. It's very asymmetric and very jagged, if that makes uh, sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of, you know, if you have any kind of OCD about um, making sure that everything is symmetrical and tidy, Hereditary just throws all of that out the window and just makes right. you, you know, <laughs> really winds you up in that regard. Mm-hmm. So with the invisible man, when she is looking past the camera and sort of feeling uneasy that there might be a presence in the room, the camera pans and turns to look at what she's looking at. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. But 
it stays there for a long time. So it doesn't it doesn't cut away. It stays there and then it pans back again to her. That's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable because you feel very vulnerable in that moment, even though yeah, it's you can't only a see, movie. Yeah, you, you can't, can't see, see her. the relevant information anymore because actually, yeah. the way you tell in a film what's going on is from the characters' faces. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you can't hear anything. There's nothing there to see, as far as you can tell. Mm-hmm. That's very, very. It's very clever. It's very yeah. effective. Right. Um, and uh, the other thing is is the whole thing with the suit. Mm-hmm. Um, is that director Lee Wanell's his big thing whilst they were writing and whilst they were in production was it's science, it's not fiction. We've got to sell this idea of this suit. Mm-hmm. Um, it can't be hokey kind of person in bandages. It's got to be a, a credible technology that that although it is it is fictional, it could work. You know, we, mm-hmm. that's that's how it's got to work. So. And of course, that does work in the way that when she damages the suit, then it glitches and it doesn't really work properly anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do, uh, you do get the sense that the person in the suit consider themselves to be invulnerable, right? Until the suit starts to glitch, and then that kind of that sheen starts to fall away, kind of thing, and they get rather desperate. Elizabeth Moss is just amazing in this. Just the way she dominates the screen. She's in practically every scene. Right. And she dominates the movie. And she really... You know, even though you know that... You know, the movie is called The Invisible Man. And it's about... It's probably about a man who is invisible, who is causing her (laughs) grief. There are times in the movie when you think, hang on, is there anybody there? Right, right. Kind of thing. Um, or is she imagining it? Right. Um, and that—that's how good her performance is, you know. Because so she kind of doesn't sound you. like a, a superhero movie. No, no, it's not. It is a film about a, a controlling, an awful controlling man, who is seeking to still control his girlfriend who left him, and to mess with her head in the worst possible way, in a really abusive. Um. Uh, really, I'm trying to think of the word. Really abusive and um, no, it's gone. Unpleasant. Yeah, it's very, very unpleasant. The things that he does to her and the things that he does to people around her as well mm-hmm. are just really unpleasant. Right. Uh, but we never find out if he was ever in the suit. Right, because the only time we see him after he allegedly killed himself is when he's when he's um, tied up behind a false wall. Right, 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 right. So we never know if he was ever in that suit, because the only person so we've seen in the suit was his brother. That's nice because that's like another level of invisibility. Like it's invisible from yeah, us yeah. as well as that's right, yeah, yeah. But what's nice is that. When she goes to the house to find the suit, she then hides it somewhere. We don't see where she's hidden it. So mm-hmm. when it comes to the end of the movie, we're like, oh, okay, that's what's happened. She's gone and found the suit and she's mm-hmm. done the deed. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it takes it takes what is a very cliched story that's been done to death 
and gives it a completely new spin um, and really sells the idea really well to the audience. Yeah, it's fantastic. Right. I mean, I think it, it, it thoroughly convinced me that it deals with the creepiness because like, it's all about the creepiness. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the... I think you know, it, 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 the idea in, in Paul Verhoeven's Hollow Man, which is what would you do if you could do this? It takes that idea, but it 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 deals with it properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It illustrates what a horrible. Yeah, what a horrible th- idea it is. You know, the kind of it illustrates that the kind of person who would want to be invisible is not the kind of person you would want to be invisible. Basically, um, if that makes sense. So, <laughs> so if someone stepped up and said, "Yes, I want to be invisible," you think, "Okay, well, why do you want to be invisible? <laughs> What's in it or, for you?" Or even, even like the idea in Hollow Man, I felt like like I don't remember it very clearly, but I remember thinking that not just that you'd have to be horrible to want this, but also if you had this, it would probably make you horrible. Yeah, yes, but but her her ex boyfriend and his brother are are horrible people, and uh, the invisibility amplifies their nastiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. So uh, okay. it's available on various streaming platforms to rent or buy at the moment. We watched it on disc. Uh, it's also available on disc as well. And it's well worth the it's a, It's a really solid genre movie. But but it features, I think, um, you know, lots of genre movies can have not great casts, but this has a really strong cast. And Elizabeth Moss is just fantastic. So here's the question. Yes. Um, is it is its main purpose to teach you about abusive relationships and gaslighting? So a lot of people have said that. So Robbie Collin, who reviewed it on Kermit and Mayo's movie program, he that was his main takeaway from it. Mm-hmm. That is certainly, you know, a front and centre part of this story mm-hmm. um, so yes I think that that is a very important part of it and it deals with that in a really adult grown up way mm-hmm. um, because gaslighting is actually a really insidious thing that people mm-hmm. do uh, but it is also a, a really good action genre picture as well mm. yeah mm-hmm so that's the Invisible Man. Very much cool. visible if you're going to watch it. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I, uh, will I watch that? I don't know. I think you should. I think you'd enjoy it a great deal. Although it, it is quite stressful. I do. I do really like Elizabeth Moss, but I don't know whether I want to watch her suffer even more than I already have from the. It's two hours long, so that's like Handmaid's two episodes Tale. of The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> In which she suffers. Yeah, but it, well, it sounds like like the thing about the Handmaid's Tale is that there's basically no hope that it's ever going to end. Whereas it sounds like you get a happy ending. You do get a happy ending, and I could see, I could see them making um, a sequel out of this that would be quite effective. Right, where she becomes a horrible person because now she's invisible. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you could flip it that way, which would be an interesting idea. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that would certainly be interesting. But uh, because, you know, if you're invisible, the possibilities are, 
Not endless, but certainly there are many things that you could do. But really only creepy things. Well, yeah, there's there's nothing to be done there that's that's sort of altruistic, is there, really? <laughs> really? Well, maybe there is. Maybe there well, is. Well, if you were doing good works, you'd still be doing them in a, a yeah. creepy way. In a creepy way, yeah, exactly. It does kind of make you invincible, though, doesn't it? So, yeah. Well, yes, until the suit malfunctions and then mm. then people can see you. So, mm. yeah. Here we go. So, um, we uh, we watched The Hunger Games colon Mockingjay dash part two. Okay, I think part two is a better movie than part one. I, uh, I've enjoyed all The Hunger Games films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed it. I like the griblies uh, in part two. The things in the in the um, the drains. Yeah, yeah, they were okay, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're quite effective. They reminded me of the griblies in I Am Legend. Ah, you are legend. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed it. And I noticed a name in the credits that I hadn't noticed in the film. Okay. Which was Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, yeah, who, she plays Effie. Yes, very good remembering. Yeah, yes. she plays the um the stylist. The like yeah, very heavily um ornamented person because she's from the capital. She plays a um, fairly small role in in those last two movies though, I think, doesn't she? Yeah, she's not she's not massive in any of them. I think she's more no. of a character in the books, my kids seem to think so. Right. Yeah. But that got me to thinking like what's Elizabeth Banks been in because She's she's one of my favourite characters from the Pitch Perfect films. Yeah, she's great in Pitch Perfect, yeah. Um, she's one of the commentators. She's lyrics. very good. Uh, there's um, a movie called Love and Mercy, okay. which didn't get seen enough. It's all about Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. It's about two episodes in his life. Uh, mm-hmm. So the first uh, two actors play him as well. So Paul Dano plays him as a younger man. And uh, John Cusack plays him as an older man at a time when he was under the influence or actually completely being controlled by a doctor who was, I think, not a doctor called Dr. Eugene Landy, who's played by Paul Giamatti, Paul, oh, whispery Giamatti, like that. <laughs> um, and Elizabeth Banks is in that. So she plays a um, right. love interest, kind of someone who kind of saves him. But Love and Mercy is... It's pretty amazing. So, so Paul Dano plays Brian Wilson when he when they're recording Pet Sounds. So that's the one okay. with good vibrations on, and you know, just amazing songs that when you listen to them now, you think, "How did they? How did he do this?" It's just incredible, amazing, yeah. amazing music. Um, so Paul Dano plays him then, and he plays him as a man who is unraveling mentally because of. You know, he's using a lot of psychedelics. He's um, He's got a, a very strange... Well, actually, his father is a jerk who uh, who sort of emotionally abuses him, belittles him. Uh, Mike Love, his cousin, also emotionally abuses him and belittles him. Uh, but he's on his own at home whilst the rest of the band are off touring. He's recording pet sounds with the Wrecking Crew, who are, you know... A band of paid musicians um, but then older Brian Wilson is played by John Cusack and the relationship that he has with Dr Eugene Landy is an abusive emo- emotionally abusive relationship that's kind of replaced the one that he had with his father mm-hmm. 
Elizabeth Banks just meets him. I think, yeah, she's a car salesperson. She meets him, and the first thing he says to her is, "My, I found out my brother died today. And he's talking about Dennis Wilson, who drowned. Um, okay. uh, and then they, they strike up a friendship, and she kind of, she saves him from, from Landy, basically. Right. Gets well, him she, out of his um, clutches, yeah. I, I, I think she might be my new hero, because she, uh, she directed... Pitch Perfect 2. She, yes. she also produced all the Pitch Perfect movies. Mm-hmm. excuse me? <laughs> excuse me, indeed. <laughs> and and she's amazing in Pitch Perfect. And yeah. um, and that has kind of made me want to watch the new Charlie's Angels film. Yeah, I, I'm quite intrigued by that, because to be honest. Because she produced yeah. and directed it. And I have a real soft spot for the previous Charlie's Angels I haven't seen those ones directed by McGee. Um, even Are though, they any good? Well, they they're incredibly exploitative seeming. Okay, uh, it's sort of sexist in a sexist way, but um, they also kind of style that out, and like it really seems like the cast were just having a brilliant time making them. Okay, yeah, and they're laughing at their own jokes while they're filming. Uh, so whether they were or not, I don't know, but um, it. It's they're either really enjoyable. Um, they're from the point of view of the female characters, mm. so that's like a feminist thing. Um, but they're also like sort of played as sort of very sexy sexual objects in the way they do it. So it's very difficult to for me to process. But <laughs> I really like, especially the first Charlie's Angels with film Bill from, Murray from whenever that one was. I really Bill Murray's in that as Bosley, isn't he? Yes, Bill Murray's brilliant as Bosley. Um, But interestingly, I don't feel like it's centred. I don't feel like he steals the focus. No, which uh, he can do quite easily. (laughs) Yeah, which he very much could do. Just by being Um, Bill Murray. So, yeah, that makes me want to watch um, the the new new Charlie's Angels because I think Elizabeth Banks is amazing. And uh, Elizabeth Banks plays Boz. Yes. Who I think is the Bosley character. That's right, yeah. She takes Charlie's yeah. Angels. So no, I, I haven't seen see it either. I, I do have it to watch, but I haven't watched it yet. And that, and that kind of reminded me that I we should watch it. Other yeah. notable roles for Elizabeth Banks. Wild Style from the Lego movies. Oh, yeah, no, she's good. I had she's no idea that, yeah. that was yeah. her. Yeah. Um, and also a lot of episodes of Scrubs. Haven't seen Scrubs. We've have been, been Scrubs, Scrubs is the one I mentioned last, last, last time. Yeah. Yeah. Um and uh, I kind of regret mentioning because the more I watch it the more the more um male gaze it is. Uh, okay, it's very right, yeah. very sexist. Okay. Um I think it's of its time. So I'm feeling guilty for watching it but still watching and enjoying it. But yeah, I haven't seen her in Scrub so I think maybe we haven't got to the bit where she's in but okay. she's in loads of things. And she's, yeah, she's busy. some great things. Yeah, she's busy and she's um she's righteous and produced yeah, she's yep. produced some, and there's loads of, she's got, on the IMDb list of the upcoming things that she's producing, mm. there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven unreleased movies that she is the, listed as a producer of. That's crazy. She's incredibly busy. Well, that's good that she's incredibly busy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I really yeah, enjoyed... So maybe she's my new hero. Well, as a strong hero, yeah. I also enjoyed in the Hunger Games. I enjoyed Woody Harrelson's performance. Well, I enjoyed yeah, him pretty I, much everything. Yeah, he was great. Um, 
yeah, he definitely plays Hamish, is it? As a, I think it's Hamage. Hamage, yeah. As a flawed... Well, he's a recover- No, he's not even a recovering alcoholic. He's actually yeah, on the booze, isn't he? Yeah. Um, he plays him as a very flawed but ultimately helpful character. Yeah, uh, and I think yeah. that's an interesting character for that, that message of like... You know, you can be a failure and still, you know, do use be useful. Yes. Well, I yes, don't know what absolutely. the right way of phrasing it is. Well, you know, it 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 calls back to, um, Kay's, the character of Kay in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, who thinks he's special, finds out he right. isn't special, but still manages to do something useful. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, I really liked. Uh, What's her name? The main character. That was a massive spoiler, by the way, but there you go. <laughs> it's okay, we do spoilers. Yeah, we I do. want to say, I want to say Jennifer. Oh, uh, yes, Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. I, mean, yes. I had this terrible sinking feeling that that was someone <laughs> totally different. <laughs> I was about to say Lopez. But <laughs> yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, I just think is excellent. Yeah, she is. Yeah. And I think again, like I said last time, they're just uh there's a relatively complex storyline and there's nothing underneath it. There's only one layer, but that No, and, and that's really nice because what is there is actually very enjoyable. Yeah. And that's a young yeah. adult thing, right? Yeah. There's there's the one layer, but that doesn't mean it's a bad layer. No. Well sometimes it is. It it's can be. A bad film. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a bad film. Um, what else? To, now, catching up on what we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been watching a sitcom on BBC One called The Other One. Okay. Uh, which is about a, a woman and her mother who find out that they're... So, find out that her dad and husband, you know, the, the mum's husband... Had another family, mm-hmm. so he was with he was when he wasn't at home. He was with another woman, and he had a kid with that other woman. They, right. And they find this out at the funeral. So the first thing that happens in the sitcom, this is a spoiler, is that he dies. They then go to the funeral, and they find out there's a whole other family at this funeral. Right. Right. Um, and it's it's written by Holly Walsh, who uh, you know is a terrific writer. I think she's been on QI quite a few times as well. Okay. And it's it's really insightful. It manages to be very funny, quite broad, but also very insightful into relationships and coming to terms with the past and and also, you know, reconciling that with what's in your life and what the future might hold. Uh, it's really good. It's really mm-hmm. good. So I recommend that. That'll be on the iPlayer at the moment. That's called The Other One. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also been watching What We Do in the Shadows, Oh yeah, we tried to watch that and found it totally unfunny. Okay, did you watch the movie or the TV show? TV show. Okay, yeah, we've we, been we enjoying like it. it. Yeah, I really like yeah, it. We obviously yeah. didn't get it. Really enjoy it. That's um, good. There's a new show starting this week on BBC Two, another FX show called uh-huh. Mrs America, uh-huh. which is all about the the rise of women's liberation in the United States. Okay. And all the different characters that were involved in that. that that's that got an incredible cast of Kate Blanchett and Rose Byrne and folks of that type. Mm-hmm. That looks really good. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing everyone's been talking yeah. about, yes, is um, I may destroy you. Yes, I've wa- watched the first episode of that. Right, right, right. So we watched. Did we watch the whole of it? We watched a chunk of the first episode, probably, possibly the whole one. And mm. we were like, oh well, this is just like you know, um, you know, something about someone's life. Didn't get to the bit that happens where some, the very traumatic event happens and what what the story is really about right, happens. Yeah. Um, and now I'm like, well, maybe we shouldn't have given up on that. But on the other hand, um, certainly, I'm not sure I'm up for a really traumatic story. And I know that my wife is not up for a really traumatic no, story. No, I'm not sure I am either. So I, I watched the first one and I thought, I know where I probably know where this is going, and I'm not sure I want to go there. Right. But well, I will. Well, I kind I'll of feel like I want yeah. to have watched it. I want to have experienced. Yeah, it. I mean, it, it is. It, it it's very well made. I might save it for when I feel yeah. stronger. Maybe that will happen before I yeah. die. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I can't think of what else we've been watching. Really, finished watching. Um, oh, what's it called? The Great British Sewing Bee, which is uh-huh. good. F- fall asleep in front of the TV, basically. <laughs> people people make clothes. Yeah. Right, right, right. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, it's pretty good, yeah. Yeah. I'm uh I'm keen I won't probably won't get the chance, but I'm keen to watch the Grand Prix that was on over the weekend because I love I love the sense of the Grand Prix where you can just drop off for a bit and wake up again and it's still that's, the same. <laughs> that's the basically what I used to do when I used to watch it. When when there were people driving who I cared about. Yeah. Um, on a Sunday afternoon, put the television on, put the Grand Prix on, fall asleep. It's very difficult for anyone wake to wake up when Murray Walker you. started shouting because there's an awful lot <laughs> of noise. And so and and <laughs> people can't people can't come in and have a conversation with you because it's just really noisy. No, <laughs> and like it yeah. really it really does test the you know how good a um, commentator you are. Mm-hmm. Because how exciting it is to watch cars going round and round on a track. The same bit of track again. Yes, right. (laughs) The most exciting thing is when someone comes in for a pit stop. Yeah, yeah. And they they have to time it. And they're like, oh, look, he did it a second faster than uh, the last time he did it. That that was exciting. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I I used to enjoy watching that. But these days, I just don't really know any of the people who are driving. And I don't really care very much, frankly. Right. But presumably yeah. they're all they're racing, but there's nobody in the stands. There's nobody watching. Yeah, that's right. As far that's as I understand, weird. that's right. Yeah. Probably doesn't make any difference to the drivers. But <coughs> excuse me. No, they won't be able to hear any of the crowd noise. So no, no I shouldn't think it does make any difference. <coughs> but obviously, commerce has got to carry on because Grand Prix is worth a lot of money. Formula One. So. Presumably because people aren't going to the tracks to watch, they're not getting any ticket money from that. So, Yeah, I don't know how much money the ticket money is compared with TV money. And stuff. I mean, the TV rights are worth a lot of money. So. Um, you know, I used to watch when Damon Hill was driving. Um, he was battling Michael Schumacher. Right. Yeah, yeah I watched that a bit then, I think. Hmm. And before that, there was um, who was that Brummy driver, Nigel Mansell. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Sorry, um, I used I used the phrase brummy. Who was the the man from the Midlands? Yes, it was Nigel Mansell. Yeah, uh, we watched a little bit of the um, electric thing. What's it? Oh yeah, the E. What's it called? Formula E. e. Formula E. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was good. Quiet. Even though it's, it's a little bit like Mario Kart, in that they yes. have like special bonuses and things. <laughs> right. But um, mushrooms like, and stuff like that. They're allowed to use extra boost basically when they if they drive through a certain bit and stuff like that. Well, they do that in Formula One as well. So there's only one section of the Formula One where you can uh, you can open up the rear wing, right, right, right. to reduce yeah, drag. Is, <clears throat> if you drive through the right the right like off the driving line through the kind of boost zone, then you're allowed mm. to use a bit more energy. Okay. Uh, but also, there's a vote like a. What a viewers vote for who gets like a special viewers boost that ah, they can use. Okay. But what's interesting is it's all about um it's actually all about battery um conservation or energy conservation because they they use a single battery for the whole race and Wow. They, okay. And it's they, they run it right to the edge. So if you if you drive in the wrong style then you just run out of battery and So does some people just have to pull off the track because yeah. they run out of produce. Yeah. Yeah, which is quite cool. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed cool, it. It yeah. was a bit like Formula One. Yeah, but quieter. Instead of going meow it kind of went meow Right, right. <laughs> it was like yeah. a similar noise. Like a cat. Yeah, it was like a cat. It was like a like a cat. Like an electric cat. Yeah. Which is a song by Adrian Ballou, Big Electric Cat. Really? Yeah. There you go. Right. I choose to believe you. No, you should. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should. It's true. Cool. I mean, I think I think at this point we've wound down. I think we so have. I, yeah. I think our battery has expired. My battery's depleted. I need to go and sit down and watch some television and wind down. <laughs> Yes. Cool. Well, again, as ever, listener, thanks for thanks for putting up. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for letting us into your life for whatever <laughs> this is, an hour and something. Yeah. Longer than it should be, that's for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, let us know on Twitter if you're listening. And uh, uh, if you're coming from the floods of people who um, oh, come Oh, I just remembered. Another oh, any other business. I don't know. Oh, do yeah. you know why I remembered this? No. Because this is the way my butterfly mind works. <laughs> so as you were saying, tell your friends, I was thinking about the tell your friends, tell all your friends, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. And then I thought, oh wow, Joel Schumacher died. But Joel Schumacher yeah. didn't direct Michael Keaton as Batman, but he did direct Val Kilmer and George Clooney as Batman. Right. Um, we won't hold that against him though, because he has he did make some great <laughs> movies in his career. Notably, <laughs> The Lost Boys, which is... Amazing, ah, yeah. Uh, Tigerland and Phone Booth. Phone Booth is a really oh, yeah. good um, thriller. Tigerland Tense. is a Vietnam War movie. Um, yeah. So Joel Schumacher died, which is a real shame, because I think that uh, I think The Lost Boys is an absolute stone cold classic of the eighties. I think that's my wife's favorite film. Is it? Yep. Yeah, it's really good. Really, really good. Yeah, so Joel Schumacher died. Schumacher died. There we go. We'll leave you with some unhappy news. <laughs> cool. Thank you, listener. Let us know on Twitter if you're listening. Or on yes. um, better on Mastodon. Twitter like yeah. social media thing. 
see you next time. Yep. Bye.